You've heard the old familiar tale, how Frosty came to life. But do you know the story of how Frosty took a wife? Happy birthday, and welcome to the Advent Calendar House. A salute to all holiday specials, but mostly the Christmas ones. If you are listening to this on the day it drops, it is July the 1st, 2020, but for us here in the past, it is a dark and lonely time of quarantine. It's been 84 years. So to get through it and to catch up with you in the future, we are counting down to Christmas in July, starting with the Rankin-Bass sequel to the very first special covered on this podcast, from 1976, Frosty's Winter Wonderland, the weird science of Christmas specials. I'm just kidding. This is barely a Christmas special. I am kind of round and plump and built to my spouse's specifications, Mike Westfall. And joining me is a preacher I build out of snow so I can legally marry my imaginary friend. It's Brandon Medley. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Mike. I knew that someday I would podcast with you about Frosty the Snowman again. And did you know that someday is today? Someday is today. (laughs) So I wanted to start out this summer season with naturally Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. But then I remembered we can't talk about that before we take care of this one. We got a universe to build. Yeah, as I have said on this show many times before, Christmas in July is basically the Avengers of the Rankin Bass universe. And so, you know, you got to have all those. Um, phase one movies before you can have Avengers. That's right. So we started this podcast with you airing your grievances with Frosty. Do you like Frosty's Winter Wonderland any better or worse or about the same? I like it better. Okay. But only slightly. This yeah. is still not one I'm going to rewatch a lot. Um, but for some reason, it does not grate on my nerves as much. I think mostly just because this one is kind of a forgotten one. Nobody talks about this. It does not get the big primetime airing still. And so I don't feel, I don't know. I guess I can, I have more affection for the little unknown ones or buried forgotten treasures than the one that still gets CBS primetime every year. I can feel you there. I feel like the original has a stronger story. This has a lot more going on and it's not necessarily bad, but It has a hard time going from one plot point to another. We'll get into it as we go, but there's going to be a lot of, and then this happened. Yeah, it's it's very much a, we want Frosty to take a wife, as the phrase they use in the narration. (laughs) Yeah. And here's a story that we're going to build to introduce this new character. The story doesn't really, there's not an adventure. There's, There's a villain, but only sort of. And they they take care of they solve the problem pretty quickly. It's mostly just about building and a frosty a wife and marrying marrying him off. Yeah. Uh and just like the songs Frosty the Snowman and Winter Wonderland, this is only a Christmas special on a technicality. There is nothing specifically Christmassy about this. No, there's not even Santa Claus in this one. No, he doesn't come back. Nobody comes back besides Frosty, except for the traffic cop for a very quick gag. Yeah, there's, I think Karen is still on the roof. Um, <laughs> never got down. Oh, poor Karen. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, Jimmy Durante doesn't come back because he had had a stroke. 
Oh, that's right. I think, or some some medical event. I think it was a stroke that had. He was not. He was still alive at the time they made this, but he was not able to participate. I didn't look that deeply into it. I was just like, was Jimmy Durante still alive? He was still alive, but. Yeah, that would have done it. Yes, he had been incapacitated by a stroke three years prior. Okay. He retired from acting. Well, let's get into the cast. Yeah, since I broke that. Because instead of Jimmy Taranty, we have a new narrator in the form of Andy Griffith. I am a huge Andy Griffith fan. I like his voice. I like hearing him sing. He does it well here. But that is a creepy-looking Andy Griffith character. It sort of looks like Andy Griffith, but not quite. But it's a much more realistic drawing than any of the other humans in this special. Yeah. And it's 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 a little unsettling. It is. I'm glad you agree with mine. It's just this random tall goblin that's going around and picking up children. But I couldn't have told you this with Andy Griffith without the opening credits saying so, because they tried to draw him kind of rank and bassy, almost in their Hobbit style. But it does not look like him at all. Like I said, oh, well, at the end, he wears his little ranger hat. And then you kind of can tell, oh, it's supposed to be Andy Griffith. Yeah, I mean, it has been a long time since I watched this. I knew in the back of my head that he narrated this. But when I first started watching it, when I first saw him, I was like, who's the narrator? I was trying to remember who the narrator was in this one. And right. it was his voice gave it away to me. Like I said, I... I've listened to Andy Griffith's albums um, and watched the Andy Griffith show many, many times in my life. So his voice was the giveaway. But mm-hmm. you could tell that they were trying to make it look like him. But you're right. they it, Goblin is a good word for <laughs> what it looks like. <laughs> well, we're still going through the cast list. So Jackie Vernon returns. There is one other returning person. Well, another in the cast, which we'll get to. But Romeo Muller, uh, the writer, also returns. Yes, he does all. I mean, he's a Rankin Bass mainstay. Yeah. Um, and the other returning cast member is Paul Freeze. Is our good friend Paul Freeze. He's in all of these. <laughs> Can't have one without him. No, absolutely not. So he's that traffic cop again for a good 30 seconds, but he's also the vengeful Jack Frost. Why is that snowman getting all the credit? Why don't the children love me? I'm the one who makes winter wonderful. Do you think Paul Freeze made that connection himself? That he's like, oh, my name's Freeze, I'm Jack Frost. Uh, I had not made the connection that he put it out. No, <laughs> neither did I until two years ago, but... Speaking of people whose last names fit the subject matter, we have Shelly Winters as Frosty's Bride Crystal. Happy birthday. Nana Mary. Yes, okay. Well, that was <laughs> from Roseanne's grandmother. Okay, I have another Shelly Winters reference point. Yeah, I mean, Shelly Winters, prolific actress. Oh, absolutely. Um, but as a kid, that was what I mostly know her from. Um, as my primary thing, you know, um, I've seen other things that she was in when she was younger since then. Um, but having watched Roseanne reruns over and over again throughout my life, I, as soon as I hear that boy, that's who I was like, it's Nana Mary. <laughs> that's my number one. My number two is she was Ma Gogan in Pete's Dragon. 
she's got a bill for sale. Oh, yeah. Uh, but other than that, she's probably it's best known. It's been a long known. time since I watched the episode. Oh, wow. Yeah, go, revisit that. It's, it feels longer than it really is, but... Yeah, the last time I watched it, yeah, it was probably 10 to 15 years ago, and I remember yeah, it feels really long. My kids agreed. Like, yeah, they all what, fell asleep, but they liked what they remembered. But... Uh, well, she's probably best known. She got an Oscar for she was Mrs. Van Don in the film version of The Diary of Anne Frank. She was Gladys Presley to Kurt Russell's Elvis. She's in Lolita. Yep, Lolita. She was in 1988's The Purple People Eater. And in the 1985 TV movie Alice in Wonderland, she was the Dodo Bird. She apparently was in an episode of Batman as well. Oh, that's right. She's, uh, was it Ma Parker? Ma Parker? Yeah. yeah. I forgot to write that down. Yeah, her career starts in the uh, 50s. Yeah, she's... Or earlier? She, yeah. 40s. And she's working, at least on Roseanne, up until the night, through the night. Mm-hmm. Um, and even by 1976, she had been around forever. Yeah. Also, someone who has been around forever by 1976 is Dennis Day as Parson Brown from the song. Dear me. I didn't know you were snow persons. I'm only allowed to marry real persons. It just wouldn't be legal if I tied this knot. And he was one of those old radio and TV personalities. Uh, but for me, as a kid who watched a lot of Disney cartoons, Dennis Day was the voice of Johnny Appleseed. Oh, yeah. I just rewatched Melody Time the other night. Oh. Like a week ago. Yeah. He's every voice in just that one segment. It had been a long time since I had watched all the package films, with the exception of Adventures of Mr. Ichabod and Mr. Toad, which I watch every Halloween. But the other package films in the Disney lineup, I had not watched in probably 10 years or so. So, you know, digging around on Disney Plus rather than pulling out my DVDs of them, I watched Melody Time, and I love that Johnny Apples. Is it on Disney Plus now? Yes. Oh, good. It wasn't at first. Like, when it launched in November, it wasn't I, there. I, I think the only one that was there was uh, Fun and Fancy Free with Mickey and the Beanstalk. Because I looked for it, because I wanted to watch it. But Well, it's one of those... I did not realize that it had not been on there initially. I thought they all were, because um, that's what they had promoted it as. But which we've seen is not always the case. But it's not... You know, like, if you just log on to Disney+, Plus, there's no... Like, the sections are kind of weird, and it'll say, like, out yeah. of the box. It just has, like the main ones and it doesn't ever have like, they never have like a lineup that's just like the 50 or so animated classics as they called it through our childhood. Right. And so, but if you just search, if you search, just go to all animated movies or, I mean, search for it by name, but if you just go to all animated movies and start scrolling through and they're all in alphabetical order, but there's a lot of those lesser of the anim- fully animated features. Right. They're on there. They're just not easy to find. They're not put in a category. <laughs> if you know the exact name of what you're looking for, you could probably find it. Or, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, or just scroll through everything, which is what I was doing when I came to customs. Oh, hey. watch this. Hey, uh, but that's it, really. We have some other names here, but they're just the kids, Shelley Hines and Eric Stern, who were both also minor voices in Nestor, the Long-Eared Christmas Donkey. Manfred Ole or Olia is another kid's voice. This is his only credit. Uh, another kid whose only credit this is 
Uh, Barbara Joe Ewing is the only kid who gets a name in this, Elsie. She's the kind of tall girl with red hair. This is her only credit, but IMDb, for some reason, had her date of birth and her height listed. That's weird. She must have put that on. She went and edited that herself. I, I guess so. Barbara Jo Ewing is in this one cartoon and nothing else. All shows she's five foot five and a half. Thanks. <laughs> and um, then there's also the credit for the We Winter Singers. Oh, that's okay. Got to get the chorus in there. Um, which is just the children that are singing. Um, I don't know if it's the same children that are doing speaking parts. Um, but like when I first saw it in the in the credit as We Winter Singers, I looked it up because I wondered, like, is, is that some kind of like old act I'm supposed to know? Right? A thing like not in the 70s, but all of these. A lot of times the things that are in these ring bath specials would have been big several decades earlier. So, so was it? Know. They're not. They're just no. some kids. No, they're just some kids. It's probably just Rick and Bass animators' kids brought in the scene. Yeah, the ones who could sing and not like not not like the Glindas from First Easter Rabbit reading their lines like, "Oh, I love him, mother." Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You get to be a weird winter singer. You don't. Sorry, kid. And I don't know. They might have went to like a school and got some kids that sing. Speaking of the kids, this is clearly a group different group of kids from the first special karen stuck on the roof oatmeal kids gone that was the kid that won the name frosty oak right yeah they're all gone but uh yeah they still get a they still get a kid wanting the name of a breakfast cereal. they do we'll get there <laughs> one thing i noticed right out of the gate though this group of kids is way more appropriately dressed for winter i don't think we mentioned this in the first episode every kid in the original frosty is wearing shorts no we did we Did talked we? about that mini skirt. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> They're all wearing shorts or dresses with the legs exposed to the elements. Oh, they got jackets or a sweater. They'll be fine. Rub your chest. Your arms will take care of themselves. So this group of kids is at least smart enough to dress warmly, and they have a dog wearing earmuffs and little red galoshes. Yeah, and um, they dress their horses for winter, too. They hang out with a group of horses. on a, Well, just the two, but... This group clearly knows about Frosty, and they make a new snowman with a straw hat, hoping lightning might strike twice. Nope. So they concede to wishing the real Frosty would come back. That song, I never heard the song sung with the old straw hat they found until this. Yeah. It makes sense for the story. That when I wasn't when I was rewatching this at first, I wasn't paying attention. I was like, wait, did they just retcon this to a straw hat? Gotcha. This is when that old man who claims to be Andy Griffith walks by, just randomly picks up a kid. It might be his own kid. They're both wearing similar coats and long scarves, but Andy Griffith's actual children in real life are older at this point. So he just picks up this kid and is dancing and singing Frosty's promise that he'd be back again someday. And here's where the script tries to pass off this group as the same kids. Who's like, Y'all remember when Frosty left? Uh, so that part's kind of iffy. I don't know if they were trying to make it seem like it's the same kids or not. I don't know. Maybe these kids watched the first special. There you go. <laughs> we only remember you singing about it. Meanwhile, at the North Pole, Frosty is very lonely. He's social distancing. 
<laughs> but this North Pole looks barren, Brandon. Yeah, this is the real North Pole. <laughs> no, dude. Like, there's really nothing there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, not even Santa bothers to show up here. Rankin Bass usually gives us a pretty sparse North Pole, but at least there's one building. Here we just see our big old striped candy cane North Pole, and a gust of wind blows a newspaper into Frosty's face with the headline, City, a Winter Wonderland. And all right, I'm fine with them leading with the weather, but how far did that wind carry the newspaper for it to reach the North Pole? Mike, yes. we've talked about this before. <laughs> can't make sense of Rankin-Bass geography. Well, I did some math. Oh. We've accepted the village of Armonk, New York's claim to be Frosty's birthplace. That's still very much southern New York State. It's not far from the city. That newspaper flew all the way up the state of New York and all the way up Canada. So doing very rough math here, the distance from Armonk to the geographical North Pole is just under 3,400 miles. That's almost the same distance from Armagh to London. But you're right. Geography makes no sense in Rankin Bass. <laughs> I'm buying. The snowman is coming to life. Yeah, this is the same <laughs> magical wind we saw rebuild him. So fine. Yeah. I like that somewhere in here, um, Angie Griffith says, for a kid, winter is one of your four favorite seasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get the dad joke in there. Yeah, that was a pretty good one, especially for Rankin Bass jokes. Yeah. But Frosty goes back to his home to write the children and let them know he's on his way. We just established how far paper can travel, so of course the mail's going to get there before he does. I've got to say, though, Frosty's got a nice-looking little house there. It looks to be more of a cave than, say, an igloo. Everything's covered in ice, of course. He's got a plush-looking couch and a throw pillow. Little table in the middle of the living room with a throne of a chair. I think I saw a staircase in the corner. He's doing well for himself despite living alone. Yeah. I will say that even though the animation is pretty much the same style as the first one, they've changed Frosty's look a little bit. And I like this better. Oh, yeah? Um, I like the scarf. It just adds something to him. His hat's a little taller. He's, he's a little rounder, I think. I don't know. He's just yeah, he a little more warm right? as a character. Yeah, you can tell that they're kind of evolving their animation style right around here because it's after things like Twas the Night Before Christmas and First Easter Rabbit. I just think that scarf really adds a lot to oh, yeah. to, to making him like a character and just, instead of just like a white monolith with a Hat. And no neck. Yeah. <laughs> he looks more like a yeah. jolly snowman than just like big round white thing. Yeah. So we cut back to Andy Griffith now setting up the plot for us that this is the winter. Frosty wouldn't be lonely anymore. He's going to take a wife. Roll credits. This is when he gets that four best season of the year joke in there. Yeah. I like just like Frosty took a wife. Do you think that the Santa Claus um, with an E on the end with Tim Allen, the Santa Claus 2 was inspired by this special at all? Ooh. Possibly. I just thought of, you know, that's pretty much the plot of Santa Claus 2. Yeah, wow. Having to leave the North Pole to find a wife. The Mrs. Claus. I didn't put two and two together, but you're right. This is basically the same as that. 
Yeah. I think that one executed more. That's probably my favorite of those movies. Yeah, my favorite too, now that I'm thinking about it. But uh, Frosty's already here. We don't get to see his adventure back south. That's fine. But here's the point where we meet Jack Frost, who's jealous of Frosty getting all the credit for making winter wonderful. So he blows his own gust of wind to send Frosty and a pair of kids riding on his back down a hill, flying out of control. Everyone's fine. Frosty even asks, oh, hey, that was neat. Did you do that? Why, of course I did. I'm Jack Frost. I'm wonderful. I make Blizzard so deep they close all the schools. And the kids are immediately turned off like, what a bragger. Frosty's lots more fun. (laughs) Kids aren't stupid, y'all. This is where when we're trying to connect all the Rankin Bass stuff, you know, like Frosty says this thing for all their specials. Rudolph says the same, but Jack Frost does not because he has his own special later. Which I'm not overly familiar with. And then it gets a special where he's a hero, right? Right. Like a stop motion one. He dresses the same, though. And then, yeah, like you can tell that they're kind of designed. So I wonder if, like, Jack Frost is like a title that gets passed down, Ooh. maybe. And one was bad and one was good. Maybe. I don't know. This, this Jack Frost is not really bad. Like, he's the villain of this, but he's not evil. He's just kind of jealous and mischievous well um, i guess he starts yeah yeah jealous that's that's his whole character starting up here but frosty to his credit invites jack to hop aboard and ride on his back but jack is too stunned and his thoughts immediately go to just because that stupid hat brought him to life yeah hey i'll just steal his hat Cut to frosty and the kids ice skating and jack tries to blow off the hat with his superman ice breath And he thinks he succeeds, but it's just one of the horse's hats. They rode a two-horse open sleigh to the frozen pond to set up a joke where Frosty still can't count. They have another joke about that. When I mean, part of it's just that he's uh, about the song and the one-horse open sleigh. But they're like, but Frosty, it's a two-horse sleigh. Yeah, that's how they set that up. And it's like, told you I still couldn't count. And then they're skating. Can you make a figure eight, Frosty? I can try. Try to tie it all back to the first one. Same old Frosty. But Jack's blizzard is too strong for him to notice he got the wrong hat, so he pieces out to, quote, other far-off wintry places. Thanks, Andy. And then we cut to sunset and the kids have to go home answering a dinner bell because it's that kind of small town in 1976. Brandon, you grew up on a farm. (laughs) Did your family use a dinner bell? No, we did not. The only place I've ever seen a real dinner bell was at Summer Kings. (laughs) And Fort Wilderness. Yeah. (laughs) All that's missing here is mom shouting, come and get it! Anyway, before they run home, they notice Frosty gets immediately depressed that the kids have to leave him for the night. And he's just, yep. And he even gets all teary-eyed having to explain when the kids all go inside together with their families, he's left all alone outside. So the older girl of the group immediately suggests, you know what you need, Frosty? A wife. And I like their definition when he asks, what is a wife? I like their definition of what is a wife. Yes! Someone that you think is beautiful, she thinks you're handsome, and you'll love each other forever. That's 
Excellent marriage goals, young lady. Remember that, grown-ups. Yeah. Kids are smarter than we give them credit. But And then Andy Griffith has to ruin it by telling us the kids build Frosty a Snow Wife to his own specifications. Yeah. And um, as I don't know who says this, um, but Frosty likes a thick woman because he talks about she wants her to have curves. Kind of round and plump with the top of her head just above here, motioning to his shoulders. Frosty's dream woman is the same as Sir Mix-a-Lot's. <laughs> 36, 24, 36. <laughs> Only if she's 5'3". Andy tells us the Snow Bride's eyes are two blue beads from Elsie's favorite necklace. Her nose was a little red thimble. Her mouth was made of mom's pink yarn. So it can look like thin lipstick and her hair's an old gray dust mop. But Andy Griffith, for no reason, calls it her coiffure. <laughs> yeah, that's so weird. And an old dust mop became a coiffure. That's a hairdo, you know. That's a hairdo, you know. Okay, Andy. Where did you pull coiffure from, Andy Griffith? <laughs> the hair is the only part of her design I don't like. Oh, why not? I, I don't Something about that mop. It just doesn't look right. I don't know. I just, I guess it's a dirty old mop on her head. It, it, I don't know. I don't mind it. But I don't know what else I, they would have used, but it's, it's, it's fine. But it looks a lot nicer than moppish when they actually plop it on her head. And they, but certainly not a coiffure. Yeah. Put a pink apron around her, and she's complete, safe for the name, and we get a redo of that scene, where the kids suggest Cleopatra, Ermintrude, Minnie, ha-ha, the horse's Winnie suggestion, and Cornflakes. Cornflakes! Okay, they missed the perfect, they should have at least said Frosted Flakes. Ah, they probably don't have the rights to that. Cornflakes, at least, is, is... Generic enough where it's not copyrighted. Frosted Flakes, I'm not sure if you have that same luxury, but would have been a great pairing if they would have stuck with oatmeal, but no. Even the dogs like cornflakes. But Frosty comes up with Crystal, and all that's left is to bring her to life. The second horse of our two horse open sleigh offers up her blue bonnet, and nothing happens. Sorry, no evil bonnet-wearing magicians were available here, but speaking of evil, we cut to Jack Frost, wherever he is, who only now notices he's got a horse's hat and not Frosty's, insists the snowman has tricked him and vows revenge. I'll show them, though, that nobody makes a fool of Jack Frost. When I get through, there'll be no more Frosty the Snowman. (laughs) And we get this creepy close-up where Jack's eyes flash red as he cackles. Did you watch this as a kid, Brandon? No, I only saw this for the first time in maybe 2012 or 2013. Oh, wow, okay. Um, Not that long ago. And it was when another podcast that I cannot remember the name of it not around anymore was doing like some kind of big Rankin Bass oh. extravaganza and they had put out a list of all the ones they were going to talk about and I, I watched the ones that I had not seen before and this was one of them along with Christmas in July which I had seen part of that before but uh, so anyway this is a kind of a recent addition to my 
knowledge of the Rankin Bass universe. Okay. Comparatively. I remember just this close up of Jack Frost's red blinking eyes. I remember being not scared that I remember, but stunned a bit, perhaps. Like, whoa there, evil Frost Spirit. This is not the right Jack Frost movie. That comes later. But we'll return after these messages. From the beginning, they were different. Yes, these gloves looked normal. But when it got cold, they got freaky. Freezy freakies. Oh no, they're changing. New freezy freakies. The gloves that change when it gets cold. They're normal now, but watch out. Oh no, they're changing again. Freezy freakies. By Swanee. We now continue with Frosty's Winter Wonderland. Back to Frosty that night, who makes the still-not-alive Crystal a bouquet of frost flowers out of snow. And that does it. Crystal magically blinks into existence with a happy birthday of her own. Yeah. There's something a little unsettling that happens here when you start thinking about it too much, which that's (laughs) what we do on this show. Yep. Do you remember what Crystal says whenever after the happy birthday party? Crystal, I've been waiting all day. What kept you? Oh, Frosty, I thought you'd never think of those flowers. So she's having thoughts. Her consciousness is like there. and She's not rather alive. So it's almost like you think of somebody in a coma who can hear everything around them, but oh, they can't no. communicate. Yeah. And so it's like she would have just stood there until she melted without being able to tell them how to bring her to life. But she knew as she was aware that she couldn't. She was aware that she could be brought to life, but she had no way to tell them. Oh, no, that that gets a little dark when you think about it. It does. And at what point does she become <laughs> self-aware? Just like, what does yeah. it? Is it? Is it the coiffure? <laughs> is it the eyes? Is it when they give her a name? I'm guessing if they name something, then it, it, it that's when... Or just all snowmen have consciousness... Oh, they can't express. That's that's fun to think about at night. She blinks into consciousness just in time for Jack Frost to return and blow off Frosty's hat for real this time. And that reduces him to a shell of a snowman. Now Crystal is left with a lifeless shell of a spouse as Jack dances victoriously. No more Frosty. No more Frosty. No more Frosty. But I like how Crystal's just, nope, I'll make my own frost flowers. And she makes a corsage for Frosty, gives him a kiss, and he's back like that. Thanks to the power of love. Power of love. (laughs) Happy back to Future Day. We did it. Jack throws away the hat in anger and it lands perfectly back on Frosty's head. And they rush into town despite it being the middle of the night and shout, hey, we're getting married. Yeah, and then the rest of the special is like they kind of like the first special just basically reacts out the song Frosty the Snowman. Pretty much the second half of this special just acts out Winter Wonderland. Yeah, they kind of shove it in the middle because it ends with Frosty again. It's like, no, uh, yeah. yeah, this is our interlude. But only the children wake up and open their windows and gather outside in the meadow for the wedding. 
That's weird. It's not like only children can hear Frosty. Are their parents just very sound sleepers? Or do they just not care about these miracle snowmen celebrating their love for each other? Parents got stressed. Yeah. They don't have time for this. They gotta get to work in the morning. That's true. <laughs> well, Elsie being the one to suggest to Frosty in the first place he needs a wife, goes and gets a preacher, and she brings back Parson Brown. Remember, it's Dennis Day who says he can't legally marry snow people. I'm sorry. I don't buy that one. <laughs> You're going to let those kids get you out of bed and up a hill for a marriage ceremony, only to be like, uh, I can only marry real people. I am going to have to invoke the Air Bud rule book. Ain't no rule says preacher can't marry snow people. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, I can't imagine that on the books anywhere. No. Parson Brown winks and says, if you want to marry a snowman and a snow woman, you'll need a snow parson. So he helps the kids build one, gets some of his clothes from back at his house, I guess. And to make them all live in, Parson Brown puts the Bible in the snow parson's hand and he awakens. The power of Christ compels you. <laughs> that makes sense. Well, Jack Frost has seen enough, so he kicks up a blizzard, and Crystal just kind of comments on the wind nipping at her nose. That's not a song they made a special out of, but... Uh, walks up a hill and says, Oh, you must be him, Jack Frost! And he chuckles finally and says, Oh, finally I'm getting some attention! Attention? You're the most important person here. That's a weird segue to get to tying this all together. Yeah, and then they just solve it by making it the best man. Yeah, Jack's just as befuddled as we are. Is wait, what? This is Crystal's the MVP here. Yeah, she's the one who has this idea immediately. She's got this whole situation under control. Like, oh, it was so nice of you to come to our wedding. Jack, of course, just shouts, "What are you talking about?" Well, if you turn down the wind, maybe you could hear me better. So she, we see her actually whispering her plan into Frosty's ear, and only then does he ask Jack to be his best man, and it works. His heart just grows three sizes, and problem solved. Yeah, he just needed attention. He was jealous. Yeah. And Crystal is very emotionally intelligent and knows how to solve the problem. I, I appreciate that. You know, Frosty really, in, especially in the first special when he comes alive, is dumb. Right. We through that, go through the whole thing of, oh, he's dumb. He was just born. But Crystal, like my wife, is way smarter than <laughs> Frosty. Yeah. Like my wife is way smarter than yeah. me. And... Um, like, she hits the ground running. She knows what she's about. Maybe only snow women are conscious before they have magic bring them to life. Maybe they have a head start. Jack, of course, says, well, I've always been the best man. But Crystal explains the whole wedding party's made of winter. It's because of you that this is all is happening. Gives him a kiss on the cheek. And that warms Jack Frost's insides enough to give his own happy birthday. <laughs> hey, everybody! Happy birthday! Happy birthday! Okay, Jack, you're reborn, I guess. I'm not sure that's how happy birthday works in this universe, but I'll allow it. So since they're in the meadow and they built a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brown, this is where they shoehorn in Andy Griffith and Dennis Day singing Winter Wonderland. Sleigh bells ring, are you listening? In the lane, snow is glistening. A beautiful sight. 
We're happy tonight, walking in a winter wonderland. And then Andy says they lived happily ever after through January, February, March, and way into April, adding this was the winter that almost didn't end, which is very interesting foreshadowing to that actual winter. So this special premiered on December 2nd, 1976. On the 14th, Lake Erie froze over, and that continued a chain of events that led to the blizzard of 77 which impacted the entire East Coast, including snow in Miami and the Bahamas. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. I don't know if they were trying to harken back to a previous blizzard, but I just found it funny that this special happened and then that blizzard happened in real life where it snowed in Miami. There's some creepy stuff going on with this one. Yep. Just controlling the weather. Yeah, well, in, in in the special, it's Jack. He attempts to keep winter cold so Frosty and Crystal can stay. He kind of, like, blows at the thermometer when it goes up and like, well, me around. With me around, it'll be winter forever. But that's when Parson Brown finally steps in and says, hey, if winter lasts forever, the trees and flowers can't grow. Nature made them a promise. Can you imagine how you'd feel if someone broke a promise like that to you? That's an odd way of putting it. Frosty and Crystal agree it's time for them to go, but not before one last day in the fun of the snow, and here's where they bring back the traffic cop right before the end. You can't surprise me this time. Oh, good, this is my wife. A snow wife? And he chokes on his whistle again. But I've got to say, the streets are all frozen over, but there are still a lot of cars on the roads. No wonder the parents are stressed out and sleeping. they got to drive in that. Yeah. Like, they're completely covered in ice. I get why the cop's there, but no one should be driving in that. Not even in their Model T cars. (laughs) But that's really it. That's the last joke of the special. And then, right at the end there, after one last commercial break, Frosty, Crystal, and Jack take the train in the North Pole, because that's how trains work in this universe. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We see spring turn in the summer, and then Andy comments, before you know it, that day comes when that first snowflake falls. And we're back and we're done. And that's it. And then... Okay, so there's no segue here. <laughs> <laughs> I not yet. So, okay. So part of the reason I did not grow up watching this special, I found out, is because... Whenever Rankin Bass dissolved in 1987, the ownership of the television rights to their library got split in two. Oh. I was not familiar with this. But apparently, like, one television deal went for all productions prior to 1974. CBS got the right to vote. So that's why right. Frosty and Rudolph still get shown there. Yeah. That was where I always watch my Christmas specials. Mm-hmm. Everything else got put in another TV deal, and those are the ones that nowadays are on whatever ABC family is now called. Freeform. And the 25 Days of Christmas thing. Yeah, Freeform. I can never remember it. AMC shows them now, too. They started last Christmas or Christmas before. So, like, these lesser-known ones, because they've only ever shown on cable Mm -hmm. or home video for most of my life. And so, anyway, that's why there is Frosty Returns that CBS made in the 90s. Oh, yeah. That is like 
Frosty Descent, which is I don't like it, is a masterpiece compared to Frosty Returns with John Goodman, who I love, playing Frosty, but man. It really is. Is that the one where it's drawn like Schoolhouse Rock? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's a weird animation stuff. Um, or it's not a weird animation stuff. It's just poorly done animation. Yeah, it's... It, it, the story's not good. The jokes don't land. It's very stylized. No. It's weird. But that's the one that always gets aired with Frosty on network television and is on the DVD with Frosty. Um, like, you have to buy another more obscure set to get this one on DVD. Um, like, I think it's was, it's been released on DVD a couple of times. One which was the night before Christmas. It was the bonus feature. First time on a VHS tape with Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, which I've never even seen that one. Um, but it's always kind of like a backup feature to some of these other ones that never paired with Frosty because it's split in the licensing deal. It's weird that that's the backup to the Leprechaun's Christmas Gold. Well, I think maybe on that VHS set, it was the A-track. Okay, that makes more sense. It was the... It's not a side to a VHS tape, but you know what I mean. It was it was the <laughs> first feature on the VHS. On the DVDs, it was the second feature to Nightmare or not uh, Nightmare. Okay, Nightmare. <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I have the, I have the DVD mm-hmm. copy where it's Frosty and then Frosty Returns, and I thought at first I'm like, well, where's Winter Wonderland? This can't be it. Oh, this is not it. Yeah, it's Frosty Returns. I remember when that one premiered and. You know, I was like 12 or 13, but I was still the kid. I was still just like now, still got excited about watching Christmas cartoons on TV. Yeah. I was like, new Frosty special. I'm going to watch this. And it was, yeah. it was very, very bad. <laughs> I'm going to hold off on doing that one. And then I didn't watch it again until I bought the DVD in the early 2000s. And I tried it again. And uh, nope. it's still very bad. Whenever I upgraded to Blu-ray, I took all my DVDs of the Rankin Bass to my classroom at school. And so sometime around Christmas time, my kids, I'll usually let them watch them. And they'll always want to watch Frosty Returns. So I've seen parts <laughs> of it while the kids at school are watching it. And yeah, it's, it's still very, very bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're very kind to at least let them watch it. Like, I can't find any redeeming um, qualities to that one. Uh, well, Brandon, on that note, if people want to introduce you to their new partners and make you swallow and possibly choke on your whistle, where can they find you online? Well, I you can find me as the co-host of the Star Weirdos podcast, a Star Wars podcast that comes out sometimes. Uh, yeah, that's new since the last time I was on the show. And you can also find me on Twitter at BrandMed and on Instagram at BlessedAreTheGeeks. And this show's on the web at adventcalendar.house, including all the tangents we went off on today. And say hi to me on Twitter at adventcalhouse. Tune in next time when Frosty teams up with Rudolph for an Infinity War that beat Marvel to the punch by decades. For now, we're Brandon Medley from a newspaper's gusty 3,000-mile flight away. This is Mike Westfall saying, I don't care if it's summer, you should still watch out for that icy patch. And wash your hands. Keep washing your hands. Talk to you in a couple days. The Advent Calendar House is part of the Christmas Podcast Network, located conveniently at christmaspodcastnetwork.com. 
Hello, this is Todd Killiam from the Christmas Clatter Podcast. What makes Christmas special to you? Is it the movies or the music, the food or family, the gifts or decorations? Maybe those quiet moments of reflection. Whatever it is, join me for Christmas Clatter, a monthly podcast dedicated to everything that makes Christmas special. Visit christmasclatter.com for all social media links and find Christmas Clatter Podcast on all podcast apps. Thank you. And remember, keep Christmas hope alive every day. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. A Rudolph. What's the matter with the nose? I, I don't know. It, it's, it's going out. I don't feel so good.